Welcome to Five. Aqua JPIA staff will ask guests five questions. The five questions will focus on pooling, water, risk, HR, and leadership. Five responses with valuable information for JPI member agencies, boards, and staff. Thank you for listening. Please welcome our host and guest for today. Good afternoon. Welcome, everyone, to uh, Season 2, Episode 2 of Aqua JPIA 5, where we're going to ask five questions of our amazing guests today. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. As always, please like, comment, and subscribe. It helps us more than you can possibly imagine. So I have two great guests. I, we've been trying to get this together. Getting them in the same room is not easy. Gentlemen, could you introduce yourselves, please? You bet. Hi, I'm Dave Egerton, Executive Director of the Association of California Water Agencies. And hi, I'm Andy Sells, the Executive Officer here at the Aqua Joint Powers Insurance Authority. Thank you both so much for coming. I, I really appreciate this. And I know it's something that our listeners have been asking for. So we're going to start right out with what do you see as the impact of the cycle of drought to flooding that we've been experiencing here this year in California? Yeah, it's 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 really an important and timely question. And as we get bombarded with atmospheric rivers one after the other right now, it's uh, one of the one of the real I think benefits is there is a greater understanding of exactly how we receive our precipitation and and the fact that it does come from these isolated but very powerful events and. Uh, you know, even you watch the national news and there's so much awareness of that now, of these words, just like, uh, you know, the awareness of, of hurricanes and the rating of hurricanes. And we're starting to, to gain that understanding. The reason that's so important is really because we have to make a lot of changes so that we can better capture the, the, the water that comes in these events. Uh, you know, our system was not designed or built for uh, the ability to capture the high flows and then the manner that we're seeing them coupled with the impacts of climate change. So, um, you know, when we have such a flashy system with the extremes of a prolonged drought and then these these very wet periods, we've got to be ready to capture as much of this water as possible and be able to move it into, and to park it into storage. Uh, it's, it's really going to be critical for our future so that we have that protection uh, stored above or below ground to have that water supply when it, when it again, it is dry. And, if, and, and sadly, we just don't have that right now. And so we see a lot of the, <clears throat> the water that we should be storing for our water supply, for our communities, for the environment, for our food production is, is simply going out to the ocean. And we have to change that. Andy, what do you see? You know, from a, from a risk management perspective, it's two different worlds for a water agency, right? In, in, in drought conditions, um, you don't have all the revenues you'd like to have to upgrade and replace infrastructure. And, and your crews in the field, they're more of in an event of how do we make do with less? We have less water to deliver, so how do we structure our infrastructure changes and upgrades for that? versus now we are dealing with floods. And now the crews are, we have massive amount of waters. Now we have to move water out of our district in a safe way. And and the, the change that it takes in the field to address those two extremes, it, it creates um, challenges for our water districts from a risk management perspective. David, I just had a follow-up. How do you see this cycle of flooding and drought affecting groundwater sustainability uh, agencies. 
It's that that is one of the most important questions that needs to be asked, because uh, I think one of the most compelling things that I've heard from any water manager over the last few years, and certainly since the uh, implementation of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, SIGMA, is to hear directly from water managers uh, like Aaron Fakuda at Tulare Irrigation District, who is right in the middle of dealing with a critically overdrafted groundwater basin, a high-priority basin under SIGMA. And the way he describes it, he says, we have four years within the time period that the, within the coming decades that we that we have to meet our obligations to bring this groundwater basin into into balance, uh, to have a sustainable groundwater supply as required under the new law. We basically have four years to, to make that happen. And what he's re- referring to is not the next sequential four years, but instead those four years when we have high flow events. So when we have extraordinary water years with these with these, you know, tremendous atmospheric river events one after another like this year that's when we have to again capture as much of that as we can so that's why he is developing and working every day to try to try to actually build a a new storage project to have uh, the ability to pull more water off off the river have it in the surface water storage and then to use that for groundwater recharge downstream Uh, this you know it just it's essential because the the reality is we just in the in the driest years uh, which we are seeing can be prolonged and very pronounced. Uh, we have to have access to that water again that was available in a time like this year. We have to have to make the investment in infrastructure. We have to change our policies, the regulations, the way we operate systems to do that. And it requires state and federal participation. I mean, a lot of this can't be done just by local agencies, and that's a huge part of our advocacy. And Andy, do you see this is the year where groundwater is uh, groundwater? Uh, agencies start hiring people and having their own independent budgets where they move from paper districts to operating districts? You know, I don't know if this is the year that that happens. Certainly there is an impetus there, but without getting approvals from the state for the management of these basins, without establishing who has what authority to do what, I don't know that this is the year that we actually see more boots on the ground, more assets being applied that way. At some point it's coming, we all know that, and JPIA from a risk management perspective are watching for that, but I don't know that it happens this year. I think another interesting point we talked about a little earlier is, you know, our past history has shown from from a loss perspective, it's the year following a lot of rain where we see uh, sort of an uptick in losses related to that. You know, certainly during wet weather, we're going to have more automobile accidents and, and more infrastructure failure at that time. But some of our largest claims, which involve landslides, land movement, come the year after a very wet year. It just, it sort of, as, as you said earlier, sort of um, exposes some of the weaknesses in the systems at that point. I imagine for some people, until the snow starts melting, they don't even know what's going on at, at their facilities. Oh, particularly true for our mountain communities, absolutely. So, gentlemen, what are you looking forward to in 2023? I'm going to start with you, Andy. Um, for me, I, I think it's exciting, the change that's happening at JPIA. Um, we, we've seen some change in our senior leadership, um, some change on our executive committee. We have a new board president, a new board vice president there, and also seeing it at staff, you know, with my impending retirement um, and some other, Peter Kaczynski, um, Patricia Slavin's retirement. I think it opens the door for the next 
group, the next leadership group. I think there's, I've had the opportunity to influence uh, the culture here at the JPIA for a very long time. And I think it's ripe for change. I think the new group coming in has a lot of opportunity in front of them. And I think it's going to be exciting, not just in 2023, but beyond and, and how JPIA moves forward from there. It's, it's exciting times. David, how about for you? Well, I, Rob, I'd actually, before I get to the things that I plan to say, I'd like to just get, add on to one thing that, that Andy said, and, and I think his, his, his genuine excitement for uh, the growth and opportunities that are presented to the team that, that, that will uh, be here after he and other senior leaders are, are moving on to the next phases of their life. That's something that I see day to day in our, my job that I think about all the time that I think about as a great challenge, but one of the absolute best opportunities and something that motivates me every day is because, you know, when you look around and you see your team and you go, this is, I, I can't imagine that we've ever had a better team of, of professionals doing the jobs that we have. And they're motivated, they're engaged. Uh, they are uh, doing a phenomenal job as we see from our membership satisfaction survey and other measures. Um, but being able to make sure that they have a pathway to, to hopefully grow and have the opportunity to be everything they want to be uh, within Aqua now that can't can't do it. You know, it's it's we, we're limited. We're not a, a large organization, and sometimes they have to find other pathways that that they want to pursue in you know in the in our field. But um, but in any event, I, I I just that excites me, and I'm, I'm really completely on board with that. David, I think that's really true. I think new staff brings excitement to everyone, and I I think having a, no matter how great your staff is. New people bring new ideas and, and new experiences, and that adds to make it even better. And so I think Andy would agree, uh, um, both of you, that as leaders in your organization, being able to nurture and help new people grow makes the entire organization grow. Absolutely. Completely agree. So what are some of the issues and policies that you hope to see occur in 2023? Well, this, yeah, th this is a very consequential year for us and our members. Uh, certainly in the state legislature, there's some things in play right now that are uh, could be generational and uh, some in a good way and, and some that are very concerning. Uh, we do have a couple of couple of things that we're working on uh, on the infrastructure side that I think are extremely positive. One, we're working on the next water bond uh, right now with uh, a host of other partners across all different different uh, interest groups. Uh, with the goal of having something on the ballot in 2024, and this could be a, a very important and significant pathway for funding for our members' uh, infrastructure projects. The other is we are uh, sponsoring legislation, next SB 23 by Ana Caballero, uh, to actually streamline the uh, permitting, some of the key permitting processes that uh, our members have to go through to actually uh, uh, design and get to the point of construction for new water supply development projects and flood uh, management type projects. So this is, uh, I think, a really exciting time. We have an opening here to, to potentially make some some real changes that could, again, speed up the the, the process and, and when these projects can actually uh, go into construction. And as we can see right now, uh, with as long as it's taken to get something, uh, uh, such an important project like Sites Reservoir, uh, to that point and how desperately we need it right now and how much benefit we would have gotten in a year like this had it been there, it really motiv motivates us to move on that. The part that is very concerning to us, though, is we're already seeing uh, a number of bills in the legislature that want to fundamentally change 
uh, California's water rights system and the way that it's administered. Uh, that is hugely problematic. The, our water rights system, uh, the priority of rights system based on seniority of your water rights, uh, you know, it goes back to the gold rush era. Many of our water agencies, uh, their, their portfolio of water rights date back to those, to those times. I worked at those agencies myself. Uh, it's a, it's an incredible history that goes back to water that was diverted and used during the, during the gold rush then was applied to agriculture and then ultimately became water supplies for agriculture and for municipal use. Um, those water rights and everything else are really at risk. And, and the fundamental changes that they're, uh, that potentially could be, could be made by the legislature would really uh, throw our system into chaos. And the problem for us really is that I don't think the general public certainly understands it, but it's something we have to communicate certainly to the legislature uh, is that the, the water rights system is, the, is the, the foundation of everything that our water agencies do. It's the basis of their, their planning uh, for all of their future planning for their, for their capital projects, for their investments. It's, it's the basis upon which they actually divert water into their systems that the, and how those systems were built and how they're operated and why they, ex they even exist. Uh, the very existence of our water agencies would be, would be jeopardized by un unwinding the, the foundation that we have in, in California water rights. There are certainly things that need to, to be improved. We've got some great ideas on how to do that, particularly in the enforcement administration side. Uh, you know, the illegal diverters need to be dealt with. It's not good for anyone to see that uh, continue. And we got, again, some great ideas from some of the best minds in water on how to deal with that. Uh, but these, these, uh, these, these efforts to, to try to overhaul the system are, are, uh, it, it just would have enormous, enormous detrimental effects to our, to our economy. Um, and, and honestly, the, you know, lastly, I think it's, it's just so important to recognize, and this is what we, I think it's a, it's a covenant on us to communicate this, and we will, that these water rates are not just the asset of, of the water agency or those who many years ago, uh, you know, perfected the rights, uh, pursued the rights to, to use that water. It's a community asset. It really is uh, foundationally uh, the future of that community and, and the ability to be able to realize their goals for their water supply reliability. And a lot of those communities are uh, areas that are disadvantaged. Uh, there are areas of, of people in need. And, and this, uh, and our, our agencies are doing a phenomenal job to plan for, uh, you know, improving the well-being of their community. And again, if these rights disappear or they're called into question or it ends up in chaos and litigation, then that throws all of those good plans into, into doubt. And that's not good for anybody. And it's certainly not good for our state. Andy, how about you? What are the issues or policies that you see um, coming up in 2023 that need to be addressed? Well, certainly uh, from a risk management's perspective, once again, cyber cybersecurity is, is an issue for the whole country. It, it's not just water agencies. It, it's everywhere. But it is becoming more pervasive. We get more and more notifications from members that this has happened, that somebody's transferred money to a wrong account. They got kind of spoofed in that regard. So cyber will continue to be a challenge. I think from a policy perspective, I would hate to see us lose any ground on the wildfire mitigation efforts, the, the amount of time and effort and money that people are putting into helping our watersheds, our forests, so that they remain healthy. 
I would hate for people to say, oh, we got plenty of water, we won't have wildfires ever again. I'd hate for us to lose that momentum um, because of the wet year, because as we all know, um, wet years are far fewer than dry years. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you that those are, have got to be forefront on most California water agencies' minds are wildfire and cyber. And we, uh, public agencies, are trailing a little behind the, the bad actors out there who are coming up with new and creative ways to take your assets from you. Um, I, I like the story that we just had where when they tried to get the money back and canceled the transfer, the hacker said, you know, the money hasn't hit the account yet. Why don't you just try again? <laughs> I, I, the boldness of it yeah. is just remarkable to me. Uh, yeah, it's amazing to me. I go back to the phrase, a man with a briefcase can steal way more money than a man with a gun. Yes. <laughs> I guess now it's a man with a computer, a person. So th this is a rare opportunity where we get the, the, the um, two leaders of two very, very important organizations. So let, let me ask you this question. What is the best advice you received when you first took the job that you have now? David, you know, I I think uh, the best advice I I I think I got, and it really resonated with me because I was coming from a member agency, a water agency, local water agency that was a member of Aqua. But it was to just to really never forget the fact that that uh, our customers and our very existence is 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 because we we have our member agencies who are funding our way, who are making it possible for us to do that, and we are entrusted with responsibility of making sure that everything we do is 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 for their well-being uh so that's you know that's that's just guided my thinking and that's you know it's we're going to make mistakes there are going to be things that we'll later say wow i wish we'd done it differently but i know that we will never uh at least i i i will never uh question that that you know what we tried to do and gave every everything that we could was was really to try to benefit our our, our members um uh, so I, you know, it's, it seems simple, but it's just a really important thing that we have to be connected with and not lose sight of at any time. Andy, how about you? I would say uh, a good piece of advice that came my way was somebody, and more than one, somebody said to me, you know, Andy, everybody wants to see you succeed. So it's incumbent upon you to see that everybody else succeeds as well. And, and that's true of your employees, of your staff. It's true of our members. It's true of, of my friends and family. Um, they want to see me succeed. It's incumbent upon you to see that they succeed as well. Yeah, I nice. think you're, you're both saying, in a way, the same thing, which is think of everybody, not just yourself. Mm -hmm. All right. So now that you've both had your jobs for quite some time, and I know we get a lot of our listeners, our people, who are new into the water industry and new leaders. They are, um, some have gone through our leadership classes. Some have just gotten their first major promotion. What is one piece of advice you would give to new leaders in the water world? Well, I, I this, this is something that really is near and dear to me because, uh, in some ways, I still feel like I'm still that person back at my first job at Eldorado Irrigation District. Um, 
feeling so inspired by the, the things that I saw and heard and, and experienced and a lot of times through through conferences and events of Aqua, but not knowing exactly how I got from point A to point B to, you know, be someone that could, could make a difference on those issues and really, you know, be, be a, a, maybe a leader in that. Um, so I, 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 I so applaud anybody who's listening to this, who has those aspirations that the, the most important thing I, 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 opportunity, I think that is out there is the fact that the, the, the work that you're in, the industry that we're in, you're so fortunate because the caliber, the quality and quality of people that, that you're working with are, uh, I think as good as any, anywhere you will find in, in, you know, any line of work. And, and it's really a dedication to public service is, is what you will find that ethic. And so, uh, the net effect is it's, it, I, I found in my experience that there is a, a real desire by many of those leaders that you, that you interact with or you see and are here at a conference to want to do something to help you and upcoming, up and coming leaders like you. So, you know, it, it means that you've got to, you've got to extend yourself to, to make the introduction and go out and, and, and find those people and speak to them. But, but that was something that was hugely helpful to me. I mean, I, you know, if there was somebody that inspired me on a topic that I, you know, that I thought, wow, that I, that really means a lot to me. I'd love to learn more. They seem like they're someone who's a, a real thought leader on that. Then I would go and, and, you know, introduce myself and then, you know, follow up, take them to lunch, you know, go grab coffee, uh, create, you know, establish a relationship. And, and it, that kind of, uh, in part, it's, it's what you learn when you spend the time together, which is can be an incredible opportunity because you will learn some some of the stories that they will be willing to tell you that you might not hear anywhere else um, because you've got, you build it quickly, can build some great rapport. But it's also, you'll find that the real uh, kind of, I think one of the fun things about our world is in water, uh, it's not that large a group of people um, and they are tremendous people. And if you can make those connections and you get to know people of influence who, uh, who want to help you in, in finding your pathway, uh, it can take you so, I mean, you, you can, things can move so much quicker. Uh, it can open doors for you that you that you never dreamed of. You can suddenly be working on things that you would be, you know, just that are that are exciting, that are that are pushing your your limits of your thought, that are uh, putting you in a position where you're now seen as being someone who uh, is is capable and is at the table for some of the most important discussions and um, and all of that. And so, anyway, I, that that to me would be uh, what I would what I would uh, highly recommend anybody who really has aspirations to to move up, move up or, you know, to grow in this business. Andy, how about you? What's, what's the one piece of advice you would give to people just entering leadership in the water world? You know, to, to tag on what Dave was saying, um, you never stop learning. That's the one thing that I have seen from the day I have started until today, you're always learning. And if I could give one piece of advice, uh, it's kind of what, like Dave was saying, Take every advantage, every opportunity to network. Hear what people have to say, what they're doing. Sometimes you learn from what they didn't do right, and sometimes you'll learn from what they did very well. But always expand your opportunities to network. Hear what other people have to say. If I were asked this question, interestingly that we all have the same answer, which is a piece of advice my father gave me, which is when you say something and say, somebody should really do something about that, be that somebody. Nice. So that's what you're saying. Nice. Get involved. Yes. Get out mm -hmm. there. Um, and I encourage that, especially at conference. Try to meet as many people as you possibly can. 
because I agree the the industry we're in is filled with a wide and varied group, but they all share one thing in common, which is they're really nice, really nice, and they want to to help you. They want to encourage you. They want to mentor you. It's wonderful people doing amazing things. So find out what those what those things are and who those people are. Well, thanks, Rob, for having us on. This has been great, and thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much, Rob and Molly, as well. This has been a, a real pleasure. I, I just wanted to uh, remind everybody to go to Quinch, California, our website, quinchca.com. Uh, that's our big public outreach effort that we're doing on why it's absolutely essential that we see state, federal, and federal investment in our water infrastructure. And it's something you as a local water agency, as one of our members, can use as you tell the story of why your capital projects are so important to your community. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, John. This has been really fantastic. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you both taking the time. I know you're both extremely busy, certainly in these kind of weather conditions with all kinds of things going on. I think this has been fantastic. So thank you so much. Everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to share your time with us. Please like and comment and subscribe. It helps us. Thank you to our music. Thank you to Molly Quirk, our producer. And we'll be back again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Five. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review and leave a comment. Have a topic you would like to learn more about? Email us at podcast at aquajpia.com. Thank you to Cliff Diver Music for producing our music. And until next episode, thank you for making us a part of your day.